everybody. Sean Sewell with Engagement Podcast. I'm super excited for the next guest. He's been referred to as the fitness Mr. Beast. He's a two-time Olympic athlete, uh, a fitness professional, uh, YouTube sensation, Nick Simmons. Welcome to the channel, Nick. Hey, thanks for having me. Man, this is an absolute pleasure. Um, if you don't know who Nick is yet, you need to check him out. Um, I'll put links to all of his his um subscriptions and everything online here over a million subscribers on youtube my goodness there's a lot to unpack here took us a long time but we hit it last year oh that's incredible and also an olympic athlete uh so can you give us a quick overcap of um you know you were a professional athlete olympic athlete what is it like to be at that level and then transition into a, a youtube professional Great question. I mean, being a pro athlete was, it was you know, a dream come true for me. I grew up in Boise, Idaho. I always wanted to be a professional athlete. I thought, hey, I'd love to be a professional soccer player or ice hockey player. And that didn't work out for me. So I joined the cross country team and ended up finding a lot of success with distance running. Uh, went to, on to college, ran there for four years and got picked up by a pro Nike team here in Oregon in 2006. Ran professionally for 12 years, made two Olympic teams. Um, just a really great time in my, in my life, but I, I kind of fell in love with this idea of being an entertainer. Like I didn't love the training, but I loved stepping on the track and, and entertaining the crowd. And I loved signing autographs and taking pictures with the kids afterwards. And I felt like that was the thing that I was going to miss the most when I retired. And my wife and all my friends were like, well, just start a YouTube channel. You can do the same thing. You just won't be running as fast and, and you'll be making videos instead of doing live races, but you can still have this relationship with the audience and the community. And so I did that and we started out as a really niche running YouTube channel um, and eventually kind of broadened that out into general fitness. But it was truly exactly what I needed at the time. I needed to take that energy that I had been putting into training and put it into making great videos. And the, the dopamine hit that, hit that I get when we make a great video is similar to the dopamine hit I used to get when I ran a great race. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and as a person as a YouTube channel as well, I love the interaction you get to have with an international audience. And yes. they can create inspiration for you uh, and give you motivations for new videos and new challenges too. 100%. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I, I feel you in the dopamine hit of creating something <laughs> positively effective. Something people love. Yeah. And that's what we're here for. We're trying to be entertainers and trying to create great content, content that people love. And it, I think it was Gary Vee originally said it should entertain, motivate, and inspire. And when I heard that, I'm like, that's my mission in life is to do those three things in every video we make. Well, it definitely comes through. Uh, there's so many things we can talk about as far as like these challenges you've created and they're so well shot. Uh, is there a team that helps you out with the shooting the videos and editing area? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you'll, you'll think this is funny. I'm a YouTuber who does not know how to edit video. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> terrible with technology. Thank goodness. I'm, I'm good at hiring talented people. So I've got two guys on staff that are videographer editors. They kind of double as both. And uh, they're they're the magicians that make me look good on camera because the raw video is always, you know, pretty rough. But we stitch it together. We have a ton of fun. Um, we travel a lot, interact with, the, you know, natural audiences and, and just try to make it really fun. The idea was kind of inspired by these. I don't know if you watch a lot of the YouTubers uh, that are basketball players, um, these basketball YouTubers. I was friends with a couple of them and they'd just show up to a park and they would just play pickup basketball and make a YouTube video out of it. And I'm like, why isn't anyone doing that and running? Like we should just set up two cones and challenge people to races. And so one of my first viral videos was beat me in a race, win a hundred bucks. I literally just went down to the local park and challenged people to 40 yard dash races. And that video got 7 million views, I think. So 
it was a good sign that there was a, a desire on YouTube. There was a niche that wasn't being filled, which I called fun with running. There was a lot of like how to stuff that we had done. There was a lot of like kind of like nerdy running YouTuber vloggers, but no one was just doing these viral fun concepts with running. And that's how we really took off and went from about 30,000 subscribers to 300,000 subscribers. Eventually we hit a plateau in the running community. And so we then broadened it out to what I call fun with fitness, which is where we've been playing the last year or two. And that took us another meteoric growth from 300,000 subscribers to where we sit today at a little over 1.1 million. That's absolutely incredible. And it, I love the challenges you're doing. Uh, the deadlift with the, we're going to a yeah, challenge. That was fun. Deadlift. My God. Yeah. <laughs> and what good form too, as a fitness professional, I was like, some of these kids are amazing. You're yeah, like 18 studs. year olds with perfect form deadlifting, like 530 pounds. I'm like, where oh. do these kids come from? I couldn't even lift the bar at 18. Right. Oh, and I know the, I don't know the work you put in, but I know the work you put in now. Um, your form is impeccable. And like those kids are just out there crushing it in their, their sweatpants and a hoodie. And just, it was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's always fun when I challenge people and somebody surprises me. Like we did a video, lift your body weight, um, win a thousand dollars. And most of the kids weren't familiar with clean and jerk or snatch. But then this one girl walks up and she clean and jerks 150 pounds like it's nothing. And I'm like, yes, because it just makes the video and it's everything that I want in that moment. I want to pay somebody and reward them for their hard work. And that that video now has over a million views. And, and you know, the fact that she was able to highlight her skills that I think is really what made that video. Absolutely. And I love that you're, you're happy to shine a light on their people and as a, uh, their success and bring them up. Um, what was the motivation for creating the fitness challenges? Um, yeah. That's, I'm really curious about that. Well, early on, you know, we were bouncing around in a lot of different areas. I think we have always been fitness focused, but I heard this podcast that's like, YouTube is a game of, of niches and the game of like columns. And if you can combine two niches together, then you really have something that can go and, and transcend across multiple audiences. So if I'm just making running videos, it's pretty niche. But if I then add the challenge aspect, you know, those are, those are two different niches coming together and making a more complicated video. So I kind of just been lying around thinking like, how do I make a really fun like lifting video or video that like, could transcend multiple audiences. And I thought, what if I just set up a bench press setup in downtown Eugene and challenge strangers, I'll pay you a dollar for every pound you can bench press. And that video just took off. I mean, it was like a million views in three days. And then me and the team just said, Hey, we can run with this in a lot of different directions. So, you know, $5 for every pushup you can do $10 for every muscle up you can do for about a year there. We just made these incredible physical challenges with, with strangers and, that's where we kind of got labeled the fitness Mr. Beast. I mean, Mr. Beast is the king of challenges, um, but he doesn't play in the fitness world that much. So we're here doing similar concepts in the fitness world. And I thought that was a really nice way to introduce people to our content. If you get on my page and you see the banner says, hey, this guy's like the, the fitness Mr. Beast, you know exactly what I'm doing. Challenges, big money prizes, fitness focused. Boom, let's check it out. Oh, I love it. it. It's so fun. Um, and, and this is great insight for anybody who's a content creator, combining two important things important to you and then making it work as opposed to just niching down on one topic. So I think that's a huge message for people who are creating YouTube or, or TikTok or Instagram uh, to to have a more 
more growth and more helpful content. So that's very, absolutely. Very, yeah. Extra bonus there for all listeners. Um, some, some of your favorite challenges. Can you talk about that? One of them you mentioned that with the uh, deadlift and the clean jerk. Yeah. Some other ones. This is, this is a little more running focused, but it was just such a well done series. And a lot of times when you're making YouTube videos, especially in these challenges, there's a little bit of luck that has to go into making a good story, right? So it's not enough just to have a good challenge. You need good competitors. You need to have some luck. And, and when I tell you this series, like you'll understand. So I did a series called Stop Nick, where it, I wanted to have this fun racing series with my, with my competitors, with my audience. But like, I knew if we just ran an 800, it would be a pretty boring video. So I put distances on a spinning wheel, like a wheel of fortune between 100 and 1,000 meters in 100 meter increments. And I traveled the United States to different cities and invited all my subscribers in that city and they spun the wheel and then whoever landed on it, that's what distance we would race, right? And so in Eugene here, I did this, I think I competed against like three or four kids and um, hundreds of kids would show up, but we'd hand out uh, raffle tickets. And so there was a random chance drawing of who would get to compete. Then there's the randomness of the wheel. Then we'd actually race. And the first one was beat me in a race, win $1,000. No one beat me in Eugene. So we flew to Philadelphia, beat me in a race, win $2,000. No one beat me. So we went to Boston, beat me in a race, win $3,000. And we just kept traveling until someone finally beat me. And we came back here in Eugene and I got beat and lost $5,000. But that series could have been stopped in the very first video if I got beat. Or we spent about $10,000 going and touring the East Coast if I had gotten beat at you know the second video in Philadelphia, I would have wait, you know I wouldn't have had the pace that I needed to finish out the series. So that's what I mean by sometimes you need a little bit of luck. And we have been blessed by the YouTube gods almost always to have a little bit of luck, weather wise, participants wise, story wise, to actually pull these things off. Oh, that's incredible. Even your fans are fanatical. I've I, some of the videos you will have people that are spectating and they're like mm. huge fans of you and subscribers. And it's fun to see that organic reaction from you and them. Yeah. And excitement. That, that's that got to be very rewarding. Well, I think I, I think I have a little bit of a, you know, different story of how I got here. Most people, when you say, oh, they ran in the Olympic games or they competed at the Olympic games, you say that person started their sport when they were two, their parents were obsessive. They did this 10 hours a day, every single day until they made the Olympic team. I'm not that guy. I grew up in Boise, Idaho. I goofed around playing soccer, ice hockey, riding my bike. I didn't really seriously start running until I was like 15 or 16. And then I didn't go to a Division I university. I didn't get any athletic scholarship offers whatsoever. So I went to a tiny D3 school and ended up you know, going on to being ranked number two in the world eventually. And so there's a lot of kids out there that maybe aren't God's gift to the sport they play. And they see my story and they think, here's a guy who is just stubborn enough to show up every day, train hard, not give up, and eventually, you know, achieve his dream. And like I said, even though I didn't get a D1 scholarship offer, I found the right program for me. I continued to work hard. I continued to, you know, pursue what I knew I could do um, if I just stuck with it. So that, I think, one of the reasons that I have a very loyal fan base is that message resonates a lot with a lot of kids out there. Oh, hundred percent. I'd love to hear that too. And honestly, if I looked at it from the outside, I would kind of assume that a person of Olympic caliber, that is only thing they did, but yeah. um, you know, love hearing that story of your tenacity and inspiration for other people. And then also that you're a human being, not just with the YouTube channel and not just with the Olympic, not just with the amazing fitness, but um, fly fishing, 
mountain climbing. Yeah. These are relatable to, especially to our audience. We're avid outdoorsmen. We're here in Colorado. Heck yeah. Yeah. And we love it. Yeah. I was up split boarding this morning. I took my dog up split. Nice. Yeah. So that's very relatable. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of where I, my parents came in and they said, listen, I know you're going all in on this running thing. This was when I was about 21, 22, and I knew I wanted to run pro. And they just said, you do what you got to do to be the best in the world, but always remember who you are, where you came from, stay grounded. And for me, that was fly fishing. So even though I was training seven days a week, twice a day, most days on Fridays was my off day. I only had to run seven miles and I'd wake up at the crack of dawn, run my seven miles and then spend the rest of the day fly fishing. And that was like me staying grounded, no matter how good or bad the workouts were that week, no matter how good or bad I was racing, I'd go out and fish. And for about 10 hours, I wouldn't think about any of it. I would literally just be casting thinking, how do I catch that steelhead that I know is over there? You know, how do I catch that big brown trout that I've been trying to get? And so I think it was a very, very, you know, grounding moment reminding me that there's more to this, this world than just running around in circles. And true enough, when I retired and it was hard to say goodbye to the sport, I went and fished like every single day all around the world. I still fish as much as I can. It's, it's uh, I'm not going to go as far as to say it's a form of religion, but it is something that definitely brings me back down uh, and and calms me down a little bit. I can appreciate that. I, I very much enjoy Tenkara fly fishing. I always have one. Yeah, I love Tenkara. Yeah, Tenkara is where it's that easy to teach, yeah. especially little kiddos. You can get them fly fishing, oh, yeah. get them in the, yeah. in the creek and catching their first rainbow trout. Yep. Very rewarding. What is it like going from Olympic, training for Olympics to getting to work on training for your own personal goals now? I mean, from a physical standpoint, just like what I like to do. So I had always enjoyed mountain climbing um, just from being a Boy Scout. I was an Eagle Scout in Troop 94 in Boise, Idaho. And my favorite outings that we did were climbing and just hiking. And so when I was on a training camp in Flagstaff, Arizona, I looked up, I was probably about 30 at the time. I looked up and I saw Humphreys Peak, the tallest mountain in Arizona. And I said, I can't just stare at that mountain all day. I got to go climb that thing. So I scrambled up in my tennis shoes, got to the top of Arizona, looked out over the entire state. And I just said, this is a great feeling. I want to be a state high pointer. And then, so even though I was still training, whenever I'd travel to a state to race, I'd go tag that state high point. And when I retired from running, I thought, oh, this is great. Now I can go state high points more. And I bagged Rainier and Hood and Whitney and Elbert and all the big mountains. Uh, and now I'm closing in on all 50. I've got a few to go. I still need Wyoming, um, which is uh, Gannett Peak. And then, of course, I'm saving Denali for last. So probably this whole 50 state summit uh, project of mine will be wrapped up June of 2024. Oh, that's exciting. I'll definitely be staying tuned for that. That's a really cool, yeah. relatable uh, goal right there. Well, it's a, it's the kind of thing that anybody anywhere can get started in. Even if you don't want to climb Denali, just go drive to the top of your state. Most of these state high points you can drive to the top of. And it's just, it's just a, the, the feeling of adventure. Or if you do want to do all 50, you will get to see things in this country that you never even knew existed. Driving through parts of Appalachia, I just, it's beautiful. You yeah. know, I never thought of Appalachia as, because I come from the Rockies, right? You come from Denver, or you're in the Colorado area, you know, what big mountains look like oh, yeah. The, yeah. App the Appalachian mountains are some of the most like beautiful mountains I have ever hiked in. And I never would have thought that if I hadn't gone and explored them. That's a very good point. Uh, and yeah, I I've only been in that area uh, about a month ago and I was really impressed by these ancestral mountains. They're, they're older than our Rockies. Right. And they're just mm -hmm. a lot of character to them. 
Yeah. Wow. That might be the biggest takeaway challenge for our audience too, is like, just go do that adventure. You can drive to a lot of these yeah. places and just go out there and start getting outside. And Everyone out. lives in a state and every state has a state high point And every <laughs> one of them is a very unique adventure. I promise. That's maybe don't start with Rainier. <laughs> that's a <laughs> tough one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's very, very helpful. Um, you are just a wealth of knowledge and inspiration. And I can see why everybody loves working with you and your channel and your infectious positive energy. It's really impressive. Thank you. No, I appreciate this. Uh, so can we talk about this big project that you're launching uh, this Friday? Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to be called the Mr. Beast of, of fitness, then you probably need to be scaling up your content the way Beast does. And I actually take a ton of inspiration from him, you know, and he, he says, a lot of times you're building a foundation for a video that no one's going to see for six months. And that's exactly what we did over the last six months. I asked my audience, I said, if you could see anything, what would you want to see? And they said, build us a Ninja Warrior course. And I just shook my head. I'm like, you guys have any idea how much work that's going to be? But my <laughs> audience gets what my audience wants. So I rented out a big 12,000 square foot facility, bought all the materials, built this obstacle course. I'm calling it the Impossible Obstacle Course. Seven ob uh, obstacles designed to test an athlete in seven unique ways. There's, you know, quintuple steps in a warped wall like you would see in any ninja course. But then I threw in some secrets to, like, throw the ninjas off off uh, their game a little bit. So um, it's a, the Impossible Obstacle Course, and it is open to the public. Anyone, anywhere can travel to Eugene, Oregon, and compete on this course. And the first person to complete it will win $25,000. So that's where we're combining this awesome fitness challenge with a big prize. And I really hope that this kind of transcends all the cohorts that make up that 1 million subscriber base of ours. So if I drop a video in the past, it's either been like a running video or a lifting video, maybe a calisthenics video. And I have a cohort of my million subscribers that really get excited about one of those videos. I thought, how can I make a video that transcends all of that. So all three cohorts want to watch it. And I think I've done it with this course. That is exciting. The impossible obstacle course. And it's open to anybody. And it's in Eugene. Anybody. Oh my God. It's built it, it's built here in my hometown of Eugene, Oregon. If you want to compete, there are four opportunities to do so in March. And I posted the uh, location of the course and the time and date that you can show up into my fitness app. So I have my own fitness app. It's called the Nick Simmons Fit app. It's available on all mobile devices. You can download it at nicksimmonsfitapp.com. Get all the information about when you can come compete. And also while you're there, we made seven tutorial videos showing you how to do each obstacle. So come prepared and uh, take that 25 grand. Someone is gonna win this money, right? I call it the impossible obstacle course. Someone is going to do the impossible. We will run this thing until someone wins it. That is cool. And I did check out your app. It is cool. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Seven day free trial, I believe. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're showing people how to do the seven challenges so they can start. Studying. Like I said, I want someone, I yeah. need somebody to win this. So I'm, I'm trying to empower them to, to do the obstacles and become that champion. And we can just all throw our arms up and celebrate that person. Uh, it's co-ed, you know, my, my CrossFit coach, her name's Amanda. She can do most of the obstacles. So don't be deterred. Uh, there are also $100 bills scattered throughout the course. So even if you can't do all seven obstacles, come on and find those Easter eggs. Oh, I love it. That, that's super inspiring. Well, Gauntlet's been thrown. The challenge is open to anybody. Co-ed. Uh, and then Eugene, Oregon, I can speak to that. It's a beautiful area. I went there about- It uh, is really pretty, yeah. Yeah, so pretty. 
yeah, lots so. to see and do here. If you like the outdoors, we've got skiing, camping, fishing, surfing, you name it within about a 30, 40 minute drive from Eugene, Oregon. So really nice place to be based. Um, easy to get to fly into Portland and drive down or fly into Eugene, a lot of direct flights into Eugene. Um, we actually ran our first set of competitors through the course on Monday and it, these were elite CrossFitters. They did great, but no one was successfully able to complete the course. That video drops Friday, March 3rd at 10 AM on my YouTube channel. So you can see all the obstacles and see people actually running this course. That's fantastic. Well, I'll try and get this lined up in time to go before that so people can get stoked cool. and get ready to see that on, on March yeah. 3rd. That's this Friday. That's so yeah. exciting. Uh, and why not turn to a vacation to go out to Eugene, come try this challenge, have fun out there on the, on the West Coast, get to meet yeah. you. How cool is this? Nick, this is fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to My talk pleasure. To me and the audience here from Engearment, I, we're really stoked for what you're doing, empowering other people with your large positive influence. It's really impressive to see, man. Hey, thank you. And thanks for helping me get the word out. My pleasure, man. Thank you, Nick. And Engearment podcast subscribers, uh, stay tuned for more content. Uh, links to all of Nick's uh, uh, publications and channels here linked below. And until next time, take care.